Welcome to the Dell Technologies Healthcare Power Chat podcast series, where you hear from the experts about healthcare technologies. Hello, everyone. Bruce Hall here, and welcome to another Dell Technologies Healthcare Power Chat. And today we're going to talk about artificial intelligence in healthcare with Dell partner Viasa. And our guest is Dr. Christopher Bouton, PhD, who is the CEO of Viasa. How are you doing today, Chris? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Could we start with a little bit of your background, please? Sure. I have a PhD in molecular neurobiology from Johns Hopkins and did about 10 years of bench research. And then I got interested in computational biology, worked at a couple of smaller biotechs in the Cambridge, Massachusetts area. Then I was recruited to be the head of integrative data mining at Pfizer. I was at Pfizer for five years. Then I founded a company called Entigen in 2008 that was ultimately sold to Thomson Reuters in 2013. I stayed at Thomson Reuters until 2016, and then in early 2017, founded Viasa, and we're excited to be working in the deep learning space at Viasa. Well, thanks for that background, and certainly looking forward to getting into the discussion around deep learning. But Chris, let's start with a relatively basic definition. AI is maybe one of the most overused buzzwords in the IT industry today, even in healthcare. Can you help us understand what you mean by AI? Yeah, absolutely. There really has been a hype cycle, especially in the recent past around artificial intelligence. And as a result, lots of different definitions. You know, I think that the most important thing to remember is that these types of concepts and the idea of artificial intelligence has been around for a very long time. Really, as long as computers have been sitting in a corner, humans have been looking at the computers thinking, I wonder if that thing will look like me. What has happened in the recent past is that a specific set of algorithms or types of algorithms called deep learning algorithms have started to make a resurgence. They're really the fundamental reason or driver behind why we're all talking about artificial intelligence again. That's because these algorithms operate in a way that is a bit more like a human intelligence in that they can be trained on identifying patterns in data, but the algorithms themselves, quote unquote, learn how to identify the pattern. That's a bit different from many of the other types of algorithms that we've used previously, where the human has to tell the algorithm what to find. This is actually quite a compelling and powerful capability of these deep learning algorithms. So everyone's been excited about them. Boy, that sounds very interesting. And when I hear about deep learning, I also relate the term machine learning. Can you tell me how those are related, those terms? So machine learning is the broader field of all the different types of algorithms that we can use in machines to do this type of analytics. Deep learning should be considered as a subset of machine learning. And deep learning is specifically associated with neural network architectures that have hidden layers to them. If you actually looked at the topology of these algorithms, they have many hidden layers. And if you flip them on their side and looked at them sort of vertically, they're deep. They have multiple layers to them. That's where the reference to deep neural architectures comes from and therefore deep learning. So let's take it back to healthcare for a second, Chris. Tell us why deep learning algorithms are gaining so much traction at this point in time in healthcare. I think that one of the really compelling attributes to these algorithms is that they can derive insights from the types of data that have previously been difficult to interact with with standard heuristics-based machine learning. For example, if you, as a human, say, hey, I want to go find a specific bit of information or type of information in, let's say, 50 million documents, but those documents are all unstructured, i.e. they're just text. 
it's been hard previously to go and find the answer to a given question in all that content. With these deep learning approaches, we can do that in a much more facile way than we previously were able to. And it just so happens that in healthcare, we have lots of that kind of data. Clinical trial protocols, EHR records, clinicians' notes, all of these things are unstructured in a way that's been difficult to utilize previously for analytics. At the same time, image analytics is another area where there's tons of different kinds of image data being generated in the healthcare space. And these algorithms are, yet again, nicely applicable to image content as well. They just lend themselves well to the kinds of data that we're generating a lot of in the healthcare space. We've had other podcasts on almost everything you've talked about when we think about EHR records, unstructured data, waveform data, image data. The one challenge I can immediately think of when we think about AI insights against this data is accessing it. Can you give us your perspective on that challenge? Isn't this data siloed and all over the place in the healthcare organization? Yeah, absolutely. If you think about the history of the ways that we've stored data over time, we started with databases, then we went to data warehouses, then we went to data lakes. In each of those evolutions, we were trying to do a better and better job of handling in a flexible way different kinds of content. And of course, the workhorse for a long time has been a database. The problem with databases is that you have to learn how to format the content that you're trying to store in them, build your map or your schema for how that data is stored. And that doesn't lend itself well to lots of the kinds of data that these deep learning algorithms are good at analyzing. Things like unstructured content or images or data streams, like you mentioned, waveforms or sensor data, that type of stuff. So it turns out that we kind of need a new kind of architecture to analyze these more rich media types. And therefore, the data lake is a really nice model. The problem with data lakes is that many people joke they can turn into data swamps because if you just have one data lake and you're trying to put lots of different kinds of data into it, it can get to be a mess pretty quickly. So based on the way you're describing this, Chris, I can think of a couple of issues. One is we could have multiple data lakes within a single organization. And two, how do we present this data to the data scientists so that it looks like a single data set? The next evolution of this is what's called a data fabric. With data fabrics, you have multiple independent data lakes, each of which containing a different kind of content that are all connected in a flexible way. So they look from the point of view of a data scientist or somebody attempting to utilize that content as a single source of content, except they're actually multiple distributed data lakes. This also turns out to be a really nice architecture for the novel environment that we find ourselves in, where there are multiple different cloud vendors, multiple different on-prem solutions, and people want to be able to tie data silos from all of those different kinds of infrastructures together as well. And data fabrics are really good for that as well. It's a really compelling, new, and interesting way to store, integrate, and catalog content, and also to apply these deep learning algorithms to that content. Well, Chris, that's a new term you've introduced us to, data fabric, and it certainly makes sense that it would tie together multiple data lakes. Maybe you could give us a use case or two of how data fabrics would be useful. I think that suggested in the name, a fabric is intended to be flexible, and that's really at the core of the power of these types of architectures. With a data fabric, because you're connecting multiple distributed data lakes, you have a great degree of flexibility in terms of where those data lakes are operating, who has access to them, what kinds of content are in them. 
any sort of environment, and this is most large enterprises and organizations, where you have multiple data silos, which can be residing in different types of architectures, cloud or on-prem, have different kinds of content associated with them, and or where you want different people to see different portions of your overall data silo set. A data fabric is a really nice solution because you can build out these independent data lakes and then the data fabric is effectively nothing more than a map or a topology of which data lakes to tie together for a specific use case. So the data fabric becomes this abstraction layer providing visibility and flexibility into one or more data lakes as that data needs to be tailored for a specific use case. Any other benefits? It also means that you can have the same content set in the same data lake and add that particular content set to more than one data fabric. What that means is that you don't have to replicate your data in order to be responsive to two or three or four or however many different use cases that you're interested in providing that data for. Instead, you just tie that one data lake to all of those different use cases with different permissioning, different users, different security leveling based on which use case you're interested in. So it really becomes a nice, flexible solution. The other thing that's really compelling about data fabrics is that the types of data that deep learning is best at analyzing are these more rich media types, things like unstructured content, images, data streams, so on and so forth. Real world data is another great example of this kind of content. And that's all the kind of content that a data fabric is best suited to handle. And therefore, it's a really nice connection between the use of data fabrics and the use of deep learning for the analysis against the content in those data fabrics. When we think about your company, Viasa, tell us about how you've approached this problem. I know you have a data fabric architecture, but tell us how that architecture addresses the issues of enabling these deep learning algorithms you talked about earlier. We've spent a lot of time understanding how people want to apply deep learning analytics in the life sciences and healthcare space. And we really believe that there is a tremendous amount of value in applying these algorithms at scale on the kinds of content that are important, often mission critical for the kinds of things that people are trying to do all the way from early basic research to the provision of healthcare to patients. Along the way, what we've learned is that there's this very important linkage between the type of data architecture that you're using to manage and integrate and catalog the content that you're interested in analyzing, as well as the provision of a library of different deep learning analytical modules, all of which are properly trained and tailored to the kinds of data that you're interested in analyzing for any given use case. It's really that marriage or that connection between the data integration using data fabrics and deep learning analytics specialized for the life sciences and healthcare space that have defined what we've done at Viasa over many years now. It's really compelling to see all of the different ways that these algorithms are going to help to enhance what's possible in these fields, which is very exciting. Well, it sure is. I'd like to get into the key components of Viasa's architecture, if we could. You talked about the data fabric. Maybe you can take us through each of the solutions that you've created, the architectures behind them, and the specific ways that they're packaged. Layer, our data fabric solution, is very much the heart or the core of what we're building at Viasa. It's the underlying architecture for everything else that we do. Layer can be deployed on-prem or in cloud environments. 
We're working right now to make it available through a range of marketplaces so it's easily accessed and can be spun up in a matter of minutes. It's all Helm chart Kubernetes based, so it's very easy to deploy a layer, one or more of these nodes to build these data fabrics. Each layer system has a RESTful API available from it so that it's very easy to programmatically access all the data that you build into a layer system. And it's also therefore very easy to deploy layer into existing infrastructures, basically infuse or enhance your existing pipelines and workflows with additional AI type capabilities using layer and layers APIs. This concludes part one of our podcast. Check back for part two where Chris describes the Viasa applications that take advantage of the layer data fabric architecture, shares some use cases for Viasa's technology, describes their partnership with Dell, and also discusses how he coaches organizations to get started with Viasa, what the future of healthcare AI holds, where to find more info, and final thoughts. 